Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Welcome to episode number 24 of the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Ratna, and we're on a journey to help you grow in your adventure with Jesus. All of us have so much more to experience, and it's an ongoing adventure to grow with Him. My guest today is Todd Marshall. After 30 years in church pastoral ministry, God led Todd to start the ministry called Worship is Life. He also has a book by the same name, and he speaks around the country, and you'll hear in the episode, he speaks around the world on the fact that worship is more than just the few songs we sing on a Sunday morning. He's also the worship arts director of the Minnesota District of the Assemblies of God. And finally, Todd is a friend of mine, <laughs> so it's fun to sit down with him and ask him some questions that I wouldn't normally over lunch. But uh, I and. We could talk about all the different areas that we can encounter God in our life. So uh, it's a great conversation. I think you're going to enjoy this and kind of give you a framework to think about your own relationship with God. So without further ado, my conversation with Todd Marshall. All right, Todd, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am honored, Kevin, for the invitation. Yeah, it's uh, fun to uh, do this. We, uh, I should tell our origin story uh, that we kind of met in the the circuit of uh you know like district councils wasn't it <laughs> yep. oh right yeah yeah uh, displaying our ministries at different councils yeah <laughs> so we, we had the uh, the booths next to each other and uh, yep. uh, get to know each other which is that's real life and ministry so that's good stuff that's <laughs> yeah, awesome yeah so we both live in the twin cities but we first were meeting in different states that's yeah. right i think it was like wisconsin or something but and, i believe so and then i well we were all over the place um just to give people, uh, and we'll get to worship his life in a little bit, but uh, uh, kind of your backstory of your relationship with God, whether it's a, a salvation, whether uh, kind of uh, kind of what does that look like for you at the beginning? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was blessed to uh, be raised in a home of Christians, um, and uh, we were always in a. Uh, Pentecostal or full gospel setting. Um, grew up in South Dakota in California. And when we came back to South Dakota, um, I think when I was in about sixth or seventh grade is when the Assemblies of God came to our little town of Spearfish, South Dakota. Um, that's when I got connected with the Assemblies and um, have been ordained with the AG ever since 1985 man that is like too many years ago um uh yeah so that's uh, uh that's the the family growing up uh background and just connecting with god through my parents at a very early age and then through the congregations that we were a part of through our years Hey, very cool. Oh, one cool thing about doing this podcast is I get to ask people that I know questions that I <laughs> normally wouldn't over. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so so when, uh, when did you first sense a, uh, a calling into the ministry? Was that pretty early on? Or? Um, no, it was just kind of a gradual. For me, it was gradual um, and just really connected 
just to a relational connection with the Lord. And um, when I was gra- getting ready to graduate high school and thinking what was next, um, I just felt like, you know, Lord, you've given it all for me, and I'm willing to lay my life down for you. And that eventually led to me coming to the Twin Cities and attending North Central University, which would have been at the time North Central Bible College. So that's one of our Assemblies of God schools. And um, I came with an undeclared major. I actually came, too much information here, but I actually came because at the time they were considering doing a partnership with another school and kind of mathematics. And I was kind of interested in that a little bit. Um, Came to North Central, ended up taking some music classes, even though I was very you know, late in getting involved in music in high school and stuff. Just took some music classes and was just uh, strongly influenced in my freshman year through a couple professors there, including Larry Bach, who is still there to this day as the head of the fine arts department. Um, And he's actually on my board, so we've been great friends uh, ever since. Um, And that just, the Lord just used that to lead me towards uh, music ministry, and it's been a uh, it's that's been the the journey ever since. So you didn't uh, you said you didn't get into music till high school? Was... Yeah, I um I did just very little singing. Um, kind of started with what back then in the AG would have been called teen talent, which is now fine arts. Kind of later in high school, and I mean I didn't start playing acoustic guitar till the summer before my senior year in high school. Oh, really? Wow. And just noodled a little, I mean, just minor on the piano. So, yeah, so when I hit North Central and declared a music major, I was way behind the curve. <laughs> but you, you stuck with it, apparently. <laughs> oh, my goodness. When I went to our first congregation out of college, I think I could play like five songs on the five worship songs on the piano, and that so, so every week was consumed with just trying to survive. <laughs> just just learn the next song. Is that kind of how that works? That's basically it, man. It was it was scary. I was so thankful for the opportunity I was I was given. So, well, that's actually encouraging to people though, because you know sometimes God yeah. leads you places, and you, you learn as you go. Absolutely. Uh, did I see in your bio that you actually were a youth pastor for a while? Yeah, so in our first place of ministry, which is right here in the Twin Cities, now called Redeeming Love Church with Pastor Mike Smith, who's still there after all these years, just an amazing pastor to the all of St. Paul, really. Um, so we were first in White Bear Lake, uh, and after, so I went there full-time uh, music ministry, and then about three years into that, um, at the same time, I was, I'd always, the whole time there, I was working with the youth under the youth pastor, just as a small group leader, but then also leading their singing worship. Um, and three years into that, he felt called to the mission field. And I just, God just did a shift in me. And um, so, uh, my wife, who's very musical, she came on and took on the choir, and we were still doing all the productions together. But yeah, I was the youth pastor for the next eight years. Um, wow. In our first place, yeah. Hey, see, you, you've done it all then. <laughs> well, <laughs> a yeah, lot. <laughs> a, good, a good chunk of it. A good chunk of it. Hey. All right, so uh, shifting now to where you are today, worship is life. Uh, yeah. 
what is kind of uh, uh, the abbreviated how you got from uh, what you were doing to starting this ministry, uh, all uh, this new new ministry for you? Yeah. So um, we went from Minnesota to Wisconsin for three and a half years. That was in 97 to 2000. Um, and then in 2000, uh, we went to a congregation in New York. We were on Long Island, New York, and served there uh, almost 14 years as a worship arts pastor. Just a great place of ministry and a very influential congregation on Long Island. And we're coming up on the sixth year anniversary, actually. It was Mother's Day. For several months, I had just been just sensing what um, I have learned through the years, how God leads us a primary way as just shifting the desires, putting desires in us and breathing on those desires and sucking the life out of other desires to kind of help lead us and guide us. I think that's what Psalm 37, 4 is saying when it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart to help lead us and guide us. And that was happening. I was in that season, and I just knew a shift was coming, and I was just desperately trying to hear from the Lord what that was. And out of that desperation, uh, over a 72-hour period, I literally, like never before and never since, just heard the Lord speak to me in a clear way on three different occasions. It started on... Mother's Day, 2013, and I was in the sanctuary um, before anybody else. We had three services in the morning, and um, I was walking up the stairs to the balcony sound booth, and I just heard the Lord as clear as day say to me, you've done what you can do here. And then on Tuesday morning, I heard him speak again, and then on Wednesday morning, again, just saying, I've given you a message for my church and I'm positioning you so that message will have a greater influence. And uh, that was just an intense, tense time um, for us. And um, I, I don't need to go into all the story. It's, it's, in, it's in our Worship is Life book, um, but that just started an eight month period, transitional period. We're still on staff there for another eight months. Um, and then God just used circumstances to kind of direct us to the time when we would launch out. And that's when we moved back here to the Twin Cities because just felt like this was our greatest place of connection because of my years here, my connections with North Central, with the district, with guys and gals that I had grew up with that were all leading congregations. I just knew if we were going to start something brand new, um, I didn't know much, but the one thing I knew is like, we're going to need to have some connections with some people. And, uh, so we came back here to the twin cities to launch this ministry we call worship is life. And it's, it's been a journey. I mean, it's something we never thought we'd be doing. This is the, the, the practical part of doing what we're doing is just not me or my wife, Brenda at all. I mean, we're not entrepreneurial. We're not salespeople. We're not uh, advertise and promote ourselves. People were, you know, it's just, we're just simple. We're just simple people, simple servants. You and I kind of have that phrase we use with each other. We're just simple servants. So it's been a journey learning how to, uh, live, uh, this life and, and trusting the Lord on, on deeper levels for provision, um, and direction. Uh, it's been awesome. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but, uh, 
it's uh yeah it's been it's been a a, a, a amazing wonderful <laughs> exciting journey <laughs> I, I love the tone of voice there <laughs> yeah well, I know you can relate, and I'm yeah. sure many others can too. <laughs> All right, and and we'll we'll actually come back to that uh, that whole journey part in a bit. But I want uh, in worship is life, uh, the book, uh, and and what you speak. Uh, one of the uh, main phrases, one of the things I loved about the book was the idea of revelation and response. That is yeah. the, the kind of the heart of worship. Uh, uh, and again, I. People that can buy the book, and I would encourage them to do that uh, and uh, have you to speak where you can do the whole uh, teaching. But uh, kind of in a nutshell, what, yeah. how, what is revelation and response? How would, you, how would you describe that? Yeah, so let me just give a, a little bit of leading into that. So, um, you know, the word worship, as you know, in our context anyway, in many contexts like ours, we, we've really boxed in the word worship. Um and you and I, you know, we're kindred spirits. You are trying to get people to bust out of the one-dimensional idea of what prayer is, and I'm trying to get people to bust out of the one-dimensional idea of what worship is. And both of us are tied to what I call uh, this pattern in which God does relationship, um, uh, and that pattern being called revelation and response. So God is always showing himself. He's always revealing himself and inviting us to respond. And when we respond, then he responds. And it, 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 he's always responding to us, which is his grace and his mercy. So our response might be unfavorable, and he will respond. And our response <laughs> might be favorable, and he will respond. Uh, you know, like the story of Jonah, a great example of going back and forth between unfavorable responses and favorable <laughs> responses. Um, but yeah, just this, this relational pattern. So my definition of worship has been simplified all the way down to worship equals relationship. Relationship with God, which translates into relationship with others. And just like God does everything in patterns. You look around our world, you look at our lives, God's always working in patterns. And so it makes sense that God does relationship in a pattern. And when I study all the times that we see the word worship in the scriptures, the one thing that I see consistent over and over again is, first of all, a context of relationship, and then the way in which he does relationship. I can barely find a page in the Bible where you don't see this relational pattern of God revealing himself and then inviting us to respond and then God responding. So it's that relational pattern um, in uh, of revelation and response. It's the pattern that happens when we talk to him, when what we call prayer. It's the pattern we do when we do ministry. Um, you know, I can share a little later about, um, you know, the whole worship end of things and, and how we've kind of pigeonholed that. But it's the same. But the same pattern is happening. The same pattern is happening when we gather in our corporate uh, worship times. All right, so just to kind of unpack that a little bit, let's take a couple examples. First, yeah. uh, can you give an example of Revelation? And so you've given biblical examples. Now, like in a church uh, setting, uh, yeah. a church service setting, uh, yeah. what, how would Revelation and response look? What's an, Just an example of what that yeah. would be. So the word Revelation, you know, we can, we can kind of 
there's the mystical side of that, but then there's a very concrete side of that too. Um, so when I say revelation, um, I'm talking about both. Both happen, and yet there's very practical ways that we understand in the way it happens. And so especially as leaders, we can be very intentional in leading out of the pattern. So in other words, um, as a leader, what we're, because we can't make revelation happen, right? You or me, we, we, we don't have the power to make revelation happen, nor do we have the power to make anyone give a sincere response. That's not in our power. That's mystery with God's revelation. But what we do as leaders is we work with God to point to who God is. So we point to the revelation of who he is, what he's done, what he's calling us to do. And then we encourage response. We encourage others to respond. So, for example, in, in our singing worship, one of the ways that it's naturally happening, whether we're thinking about it or not, it, it, it just happens with the lyrics of our songs. Because you can look at any song we sing in a service, and every lyric is either a lyric of pointing to who God is, what he's done, what he's calling us to do, revelation, or it's a lyric of our response. I praise you. I worship you. I bow before you. So so that revelation and response pattern happens automatically in the lyrics of our song. So that, matter of fact, I believe that is one of the primary reasons we've labeled our singing time as worship, because the songs are doing God's pattern, and then they're inviting us to engage in that pattern by singing, and then you combine that with the beautiful mystery of how music moves our entire being, or at least has the potential to move our being, you you marry those together, and singing songs of revelation and response is one of the most effective ways to get us into the relational pattern of engaging with God. And then, of course, when there's the sermon, that's what the pastor's doing. He's bringing revelation through scriptures and through insights, and then inviting us to respond. When we're doing the offering, where we are responding and giving to who God is. He's our provider, so we're going to give. He's our, um, he, he's, telling, he's telling us to give, so we're going to respond with obedience. So there's revelation, you know, communion is we're thinking about all that God has done and who he is, and we're responding par- by partaking. So every element, even fellowship, even, even in our fellowship one another, is our, those are all Every one of them is an example how this revelation and response pattern of relationship with God is happening. So, the, so now we've had a biblical example of it, then we have the church setting example. Yeah. Uh, but revelation and response uh, affects outside of that as well. I mean, we're uh, kind of when I'm thinking of the audience of the show, I always think of the three types of people. One would be that stay-at-home mom. Uh, you know, who's uh, you know doing laundry while they're listening to this, or uh, the business person who's listening to this uh, on the bus going down uh, yeah. to their job, and the third would be that uh, person maybe in India who you know they, they don't have a lot of resources and they come yeah. finding. Uh, but in each of those three settings are still uh, examples of revelation and uh, response that would would happen. So, can you give? So maybe just pick one of those or just something that comes to mind of how revelation response can invade our everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. And that is and that is what and that right there, Kevin, is what it's all about. 
Um, and the I, I finally figured out two questions um, that I could uh, articulate that would help people kind of understand this connecting point of what you're talking about. And that is, what is the connection between a worship service and a life of worship? And why does it matter? What is that connection? And the connection is the relational pattern. And so then when we get out into life, it's like, okay, what does it look like to live my day in God's relational pattern? How do we, how do we go from um, a checklist of, of okay, to, to feel good about my relationship with God, I got to do this, do this, do this, do this. How do we move from that to living in this relational pattern? So really, worship as life is just another way of saying, pray without ceasing. It's another way of saying, walking in the spirit. It's just, it's just another way of articulating God's intention for us to stay engaged in relationship with him. So before I uh, give a, a practical example, um, I, uh, God's given me a little phrase and a little acrostic to help me have a handle. And we actually have it on a magnet, um, a graphic on a magnet as a, as a daily reminder for people. And the phrase is, Living in awe of God, A-W-E of God, living in awe of God, another way of saying just walking in the Spirit, staying engaged in that relational pattern. Um, and so A-W-E, the acrostic is acknowledge, welcome, and engage. So I stay engaged by acknowledging and welcoming God into every task, into every encounter, into every conversation so it's it's doing my part of the relationship by staying aware and staying engaged with god so i'm just gonna be vulnerable here kevin and tell you as as this as these concepts were becoming real as as these truths they're more than concepts they're truths as these truths were becoming real to me um in the last several years um, and intensified as I was more and more teaching this, I just, I, all of a sudden I was looking back at my life, uh, even my life of ministry years, and just realizing how much of my life I would live disconnected from God. Like not running from God, not intentionally ignoring God, but just realizing going through moments of my day, streaks of days, um, and that, but and just being disconnected. In other words, not engaged, not engaged with God, not acknowledging Him, not welcoming Him into uh, every situation. And you know, on one hand, there's nothing new under the sun, but on the other hand, it's a very mysterious, challenging scenario, mostly because of a mystery of relationship with God, and then be, and then our brokenness. Because here's something else I've learned. Relationship requires engagement, which is what we're talking about, staying engaged. Engagement implies doing. So there's got to be a doing if there's going to be engagement. What happens with us is since the part we can control the most is the doing part of it, what we do, we tend to get over-focused on the doing, and then eventually the doing can become separated from the relationship. And it's just an ongoing challenge, which is why... Chapter two in my book is called The Battle for Our Worship because <laughs> it's this ongoing challenge of getting focus on self and putting focus on God 
and others. So every practical example is tied to how we stay focused on God and focused on others. Um, it, whether that's you're doing a task in your home all by yourself and you're just inviting God into that, um, engaging, you know, interceding. I mean, whenever, every moment of the day, there's stuff happening around our world that, that we can join in the process of God intervening there. And that's that, that's that just constant intercession, that prayer without ceasing. And then, and, and, and how does relationship with God, um, uh, flesh itself out, it fleshes itself out in relationship with others. So as we stay engaged with God, that helps us <laughs> in our relationship with others. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, or as I like to say, the evidence of God's presence. As we stay engaged with God, that He helps us be patient with our children and our spouses. He helps us be loving to even strangers. Um, you know, one of the practical things we do uh, in in just out in the community is every time we're at a restaurant where we have a server somewhere in those beginning stages we ask them uh, we tell them listen we're going to be saying a blessing over our meal is there anything we can lift up to the lord for you um and you know you've got a, re a unique relational touch point with a server at a restaurant and they've got skin in the game you know they they want they want to treat you good for their own personal reasons but I can't tell you the response. Just Sunday, just this last Sunday, I was in Madison, Wisconsin, with the pastor that we had that I'd been ministering with, and some of his team. The server came after she took our orders, and she was probably in her late twenties or thirties. We asked her, and I mean, she just stopped and immediately broke into tears and had to leave and compose herself and and come back. And she was never able to to say what it is because she because she couldn't talk without without bursting into tears so she just and, and a couple other times she's like you know we would just be kind to her and nice to her and and she's just like oh you guys keep making me cry so just you know just just being focused by in 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 welcoming god into every situation and the reason it matters is that's how god grows his kingdom he grows his kingdom as we stay engaged with him and allow him to work through us, to our families, to our friends. I know nothing new under the sun. What's unique about our ministry is that we're using the language of worship to communicate these ancient truths. Well, and uh, most times there's more of a reminder anyways. <laughs> the body of Christ forgets what uh, the, yes. the, the ancient truths So I, I couldn't help but uh, think when you, you know, were talking about your the ah acronym there, acknowledging and welcoming and engaging. Uh, of uh, have you ever heard of Frank LeBlanc? Uh, his uh, he wrote uh, well the book is Letters from a Modern Mystic, and oh. and in it he uh, talks about it's basically letters that he wrote to this person about his own uh, adventure with God, and he he coined the game of minutes, and the idea was each minute of every day mm. to try and turn his thoughts towards mm. God and kind yes. of the, uh, over the course of the, the letters is his game of how well is he doing as he, you know, one day he's doing well, so the next day he's not doing so well. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and you kind of, and we all do that, but, yeah. and he was just, 
I, I love it because when you talk about engaging the world, I mean, his job was a uh, literacy, a missionary to help the Philippines have literacy, you know, and so it was a very common, I mean, it wasn't like a, uh, you know, hyper-religious type uh, yep. missionary work. He was in, out there doing, I mean, he's there's a stamp with his name, uh, his picture on that because that's kind of yep. work he was doing. Uh, so it just made me think there's, it is almost that game of trying to acknowledge <laughs> our yeah. thoughts go this way and then coming back. And uh, yeah, uh, in your in your own life, uh, you, I mean, you said you're being vulnerable. Uh, is there things that help you to move your mind back? Is there? Is there things that you do that, I mean, I, and I understand that you said there's the danger and I get that to, yeah. the thing becomes the, uh, the, the focus, but is there, at the same point, there's things that help us in that journey. Yeah. Well, so, you know, one thing that, that shifted just in my, in my, um, my perspective is when, uh, when I, when we think about our quiet time, you know, our, we call our devotions or our, um, our uh, quiet time, whatever we call that set-apart time with the Lord. Um, again, that used to be a part of my checklist, and, and I don't know if you ever heard this phrase before, but I would often hear, yeah, you've got to have that time because that sets the tone for the day. You know, that sets the tone for the day. And it's when I began to see this, I realized, no, that time does more than set the tone for the day. It sets the pattern for the day. So for one thing that's happened with for me is that time has become more extended. Um, and then and then I'm realizing that as I'm in and I, I even say this to the Lord every morning, um, I'm like, Lord, I in this time with you, I'm setting the pattern for the day. So as I'm listening to you and as I'm speaking to you, as I'm listening to you, when I read your scriptures um, and as I'm speaking back to you, whether it's out loud or at a whisper or inside, um, uh, it's I'm setting this pattern for the day. And then, you know, instead of just getting up from that place and like, OK, see you next morning, God, or um, I'll check in with you when I give thanks for my two other meals coming up. Um, it's, it's really just, um, it's really just an ongoing journey of raising the intentionality of my part in the relationship. Um, and I, am not even really sure other than that, how to say it of just, uh, well here, you know what, here's one huge piece is just the amazement of God as creator. I mean, there are so many ways you can be reminded to stay engaged with God when you are acknowledging him as creator. Because way, I mean, first of all, you've just got nature, but then way beyond that, you've just got the, the mystery of, of everything your body does throughout the day, the mystery of just when you just go through, drive through a town, a city, and you th see it, everything that man has created realizing that's a result of the ingenuity that God has put in us. God creates systems, so we create systems. There's just so many ways that it can bring you back to God by opening your eyes to the wonder of just creation, everything around you. So that's been 
a huge practical thing that's helped me stay engaged with God. Um, and again, that just that's just a part of taking the focus off yourself and open up your eyes rather re- beyond the tunnel vision. Okay, I'm on my way to Walmart. You know, instead of the tunnel vision of getting there, getting a gun, getting back. You know, just looking at everything around you, being aware of the people you're going to run into in the store, the cash register, just getting your eyes off yourself and opening them up to everybody and everything around you is a is a huge piece of of being helped in staying engaged with God. Well, I, I love that because, I mean, so much of our walk with God is that realizing who he is and who, who we are in relationship to that, uh, which is where our... Uh, it's, I mean, it's kind of a joke that we have, uh, but uh, that we're, we're his simple servants. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, uh, but there is some truth to th- that whole idea that you know, uh, uh, when you're living, doing a ministry, whatever it is, uh, understanding who you are in relationship to him, there's you know the friendship component, but there's also we are his servants, and <laughs> keeping mm-hmm. that in mind is, is, mm-hmm. is so important. Uh, yep. Is speaking of the awe of God, or just in general, uh, making the transition to a ministry like this, where you're speaking mm. around the country, and mm. uh, is what has kind of surprised you most about this journey? Uh, does anything come to mind that like? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, chapter three in my book is called <laughs> "Identity and Security." We're just going to work through it here, aren't we? <laughs> Well, this might be the last one. I don't know. But but this is the answer to your question. Because six years ago, I thought my assessment of myself would have been that I had my identity and security firmly rooted in God. And when I went from 30 years of church staff ministry... um, relying on a check every week or every two weeks, depending on how the place did it, um, and all the um, perks that can come from when you're uh, in a larger congregation. When I left that, I was not prepared for the shock of where my identity and security really was. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was like really deep. Um, but man, when we left, and even though we had support, people were financially supporting us on a monthly basis, all, all of that, I just, I was shocked to discover how shallow my trust in the Lord was in some pretty significant areas. That was that was a stunner for me, and I and I'm telling you, I'm not that far removed from finally coming out of that. I mean that 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 has been a journey of, and that's and that's called growing relationship. You know that's called growing your relationship relationship. So so the word faith, you know, we throw around a lot as Christians, but really, faith really equals trust. How deep is your trust in who God really says He is? Um, and, and my, and so I've been on a, a new level of going to new levels of trusting God. And just like all those other years before where I thought I was good, he provided in all these ways. 
now he's providing in all different ways and I have had to I have had to learn at deeper levels that wow God is who he says he is God does what he says he does um, but when your circumstances shift it it just gets your attention in a in a different way and um, that has that was the big that was the biggest surprise of uh, of this whole thing what I, I... For those who've listened to the show regularly, they'll know that I've, for this year, the word that God gave me was trust. Mm. Uh, And it's, like you said, there's a never ending uh, level with that. You gotta, you keep going, which I guess makes sense when you're in a relationship. I mean, Mm -hmm. even in a, a, you know, marriage relationship, you, you're growing in trust as time goes on and you yep. keep pushing that level of trust uh, yep. and, and when you're talking about the god of the universe and trusting his goodness and uh, uh previous episode uh, Susie Larson talking about if you want to trust you got to have the you know, understand the goodness of god so again it's mm. his it's a deeper understanding of his character and deeper exactly. understanding it's just keep that building that revelation of who he is yep. so that your response can be one of trust and I, yep. I, like you said i don't think you i don't think you get to a point where you just all right nope. i got that down <laughs> no it, it strengthens it gets stronger we, we grow but it's uh yeah we all know we all know that it's a journey one probably when we when we grow in it, he's like, okay, let's then let's ratchet it up a little bit. <laughs> um, a few more, uh, just kind of as we're starting to wind this down. A few more, uh, more r- r- rapid fire uh, or top of the mind uh, questions. Yeah. Are there? Are there? Uh, and this is one of my favorites. Uh, well, let's let's go with this one. All right. Anything recently, and you just talked about trust, but uh, anything else recently that God's been teaching you that kind of has been messing with your world? Mm. Any Um, revelation? I'm just constantly, I'm constantly challenged. The, The more I look through the lens of relationship, so I've learned that God always looks through the lens of relationship. And the more... I look at everything through the lens of relationship um, and I listen to, I, I look back at the language I've used for so many years of ministry and in, in trying to communicate and talk about God. And, and I listen to, you know, our context and just, you know, how we talk about God and um, just realizing how much more we could really grow, even in speaking to leaders of using relational language, just just even in the terms we use, just how do we take how do we take words like prayer and worship and faith and sin, and how do we look at those words through the lens of relationship, and then have that impact how we speak to an individual or to a team or to a congregation, how we speak using more relational language. And so I've really become intentional um, about just speaking in in using more relational language. And you'll have to cut me off if we're running out of time. But, um, you know, for the first time in over three decades, I'm working a part-time job out in the community. 
and um, two days a week I teach teenagers how to drive. So um, it's been an amazing opportunity. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I can honestly say I've had about 30 near-death experiences. But beyond, <laughs> but beyond that, it's been an amazing opportunity uh, just to share with students. And if there, when there comes opportunity to share, I've just I've learned with these students. I mean, whether they're atheist or agnostic. When I, when I speak using relational language, instead of trying to prove them to something, if I just speak using relational language and, and, and just realize how much life is about relationships and everything around us in creation is all relating, you know, within itself, um, I just, people just resonate with that because everybody gets relationship. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what part of the planet you live on doesn't matter what time of history you're in everybody gets relationship because god created us for relationship and so just just uh, myself and encouraging others to just um really be really give us some thought and, and just think about our communicating um using the language of of relationship and pushing through those um those not in a bad connotation of the use of the word religion, but those religious sounding words and, and just using relational language because that's what, that's what the words that we use over and over again is what's forming us and shaping us into how we're thinking, how we're living, how we're processing, um, how we're communicating with others. Uh, so that's been a, that's been a, a, a big shift for me. Well, that's, Glad I asked that question. That's that's good stuff. That's good advice. <laughs> we, uh, and I love that you brought up the uh, the, the driving part because that's uh, sometimes when we think of and this is kind of a tangent, but I just wanted to say this because uh, sometimes when we think of God leading us into a, a ministry or you know worship is life and uh, we forget the fact that you may have to uh, have this other side thing or whatever to. Get it done uh, to yeah. do the calling that God has for you, and uh, we, you know, and that you can, you know, express that and say, I, "I'm doing this," and God's using that. Yeah, that it's part of the whole package of what God is doing in my life. I, I just love, I, I love that. Hi, Kevin, I'm not going to go into the whole illustration because I know we're running out of time. But two years ago, approximately, as I was in a lesson with a student, and I was listening to the language that I was using to teach this student how to drive. All of a sudden, it struck me that driving is the perfect earthly analogy of staying in the pattern of revelation and response. Because if you're gonna be an effective, legal, and safe driver, every moment you are responding second by second to what's being revealed to you. And as you're doing that, you're focused on the laws of driving, the authority, and everybody else around you. So not only are you having to stay in the pattern of revelation and response, which means it's possible to do it, but it's also a great analogy because you're literally engaging in the way God invites us to gauge, focused on him and focused on others. So that's only just a little piece of the analogy. It goes much deeper, but it's matter of fact, I use it almost every time I speak because <laughs> it's such an awesome analogy that anybody who has driven or been in a vehicle can relate to it. You've got to stay in that pattern. Otherwise, when you, be get distract, when you become distracted, 
and the focus shifts to yourself, then it, then then driving goes downhill from <laughs> from there. And it's the same with living. When you get distracted and you get focused on yourself, life goes downhill from there. All right. In a few years, when my daughter's learning how to drive, I'll I'll start giving her analogies while she's and she'll be like, just stop talking, let me drive. All right. The final question I always like to end with, uh, along with uh, uh, obviously worship is life. But any uh, final ask of the audience that you have, whether or you know where can they find you, uh, where can they buy your books, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Thanks so much for asking. Um, uh, well, first of all, um, <clears throat> whoever's listening this week can keep us in prayer. It's interesting that you mentioned the Philippines and this missionary. This Saturday, I'm leaving for the Philippines, so taking Worship is Life for the first time to Asia. Been to Africa three times in the last two and a half years, last fall in Europe with Romania and Belgium. And now um, a young guy that I'm mentoring and I are going to the Philippines this Saturday to speak and teach uh, at a four-day camp for worship leaders from all over the Philippines. So really excited about that. Um, we finally have an online store on our website. So worshipislife.org. Um, our, we've got our store there. Um, our book is available uh, in paperback in English, paperback in Spanish, also digital in English, um, and audio in English. And the latest, I'm just going to end with this, the latest resource, Kevin, I am so excited about. I've partnered with a friend of mine who was on my team in New York, and I've helped him publish a book that he's written for children called My First Worship. And I just love it because he just uses simple, simple relational language to help young children with their parents reading it to them see how they can engage with God throughout their entire day. So let me just quickly read the final paragraph. He says, so when I worship when I sleep, I worship when I play, I worship when I give thanks to God, I worship when I obey. I worship when I sing and dance and lift my hands up in the air, I worship when I'm in my room and only God is there. I worship with my family, God gave them just for me, God made me just for worship, and that's who I will be. Very so cool. it's designed for parents and their children ages infant through five years old, although I've had some moms already, this is hot off the press this week. I've had some moms look at it already, and they're like, wow, I would use this as my with my first and second graders for like an easy reader book. So it's a great way at forming those young, young, young ones. And then the parents are getting formed, too, as they're reading it to their, their children. On This is how we stay engaged all throughout our day. So I'm really excited about that. And that, can they find that on Amazon as well? Or yeah, it's on Amazon and on our and on our website. Yep. And the name again of that? My My First Worship by my, Bruce Rose. My first. All right, and we'll put that in the show notes as well if anyone misses oh, awesome. that uh, uh, as well. Uh, and before we uh, sign off, since you did mention, uh, let's just take thirty seconds. I want to pray for your trip, uh, and yeah. then, we'll, then we'll close thank it out. Lord, I thank you for Todd and taking the time to be with us as an audience today. I pray that you would bless him as he goes, as he's taking this message of uh, worship his life around the world. I pray your blessing on him and Brenda and, he, uh, and all that you have planned. Uh, bless his family and bless the listener now as they uh, go from this place. I pray that they would encounter you and would experience the revelation of who you are and then respond appropriately. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate you being Thank on the you. show. Thank you. Thanks, my friend.
Well, there you have it. I hope you were encouraged to go after God like never before. If you're looking for the show notes for this episode, head on to over to enjoyingprayer.org and click on the podcast there. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. I, I know some of the people who are scheduled to be on the show and you're not going to want to miss it. So again, just subscribe. And while you're at it, why don't you share it with a friend so they can get involved in the fun as well. Uh, and one last time, the show notes are at enjoyingprayer.org and click on podcast. So until next time, thanks for listening.